bathroom. <laughs> I'm just laying in bed. <laughs> normally I'm showered and I have makeup on and I'm at my desk, but I, I take more showers now than ever, which is super weird. Really? I just, I take <laughs> not, not a lot less. I used to have one a day at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, like with me, if I didn't, if I didn't have something to do, I wouldn't take a shower. Now yeah. I got something to do every day now that we're in quarantine. It's weird. You have something to do every day now that you're in quarantine? Yeah, like either a show or an open mic or something, just on Facebook. Live oh, yeah. Or Zoom, like right now. <laughs> yeah, I could probably find Zoom mics to go to if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Or whatever platform they're on. I am going to participate in one tomorrow, but it's only because mm -hmm. my friend hosts it and promised to get me up early. Ah, like at first I was really again, like really like, why would I want to perform on zoom? I need an audience. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I got desperate. Um, <laughs> but my problem is like sitting through an open mic in person is so fucking painful. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting through two hours of zoom like just yeah. I mean I just I just do my stuff and then I leave <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean I'll do like some like back to back you know yeah. what I mean like I don't even it, it's cool because I'm like wow it only took me a few seconds to jump over to this bar you yeah. know I didn't even have to take an uber <laughs> yeah I just don't I just don't want to if I'm I don't want to sit waiting my turn until I don't know I don't want to watch other dumbass yeah. comics <laughs> Or I'll, I'll know where I am in line and I'll just kind of carry my phone with me, listen, do my makeup, wash dishes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm not just like the whole time. No, fuck that. I don't have like a lot to do because I don't have like a, I don't have like a house to keep up or a family mm -hmm. to take care of. There's just. Where, where are you based out of? Where do you live? Denver. Denver. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You just moved there not too long ago, right? Last summer, yeah. I was in Omaha for a couple months, and then now I've been here since, I think, June. Yeah. Why'd you go, why'd you pick Denver? Oh, I just love Denver, even without comedy. I love Denver. I've never been there, but I just hear Denver, Denver, Denver. I love Colorado. I love the mountains. I love the city yeah. of Denver. I love having both so close together. Um, I lived here for two years before I started comedy. Then I went back to Kansas and that's when I started. And so I loved being here anyway. I only went back cause I just couldn't afford to live here with kids by myself. Yeah. Um, so I now live in Denver, but it's just me. I mean, I have roommates, but, uh, I spend most of my time just hanging out in my room because, <laughs> you know, um, I have roommates too. Yeah, call my husband, my kids. My all my kids are older too, so they're literally like roommates. Like everybody cooks for themselves. Everybody yeah. cleans their own bathrooms. You know. Yeah, that's how I was before I moved. I mean, my my youngest is a senior. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was like people are like, "Don't you, you know, aren't you sad to leave your kids?" I'm like, I hardly ever see them. People. <laughs> They had jobs and girlfriends and, and lives, lives yeah. and there were literally, literally there was one time I came out and the trash was full and I was in the kitchen 
And I was like, somebody take out the trash. And then I realized that no one was home. Because they don't tell me where they go all the time once they're... I know. Like this morning, my son left. I was like, what the hell? I just heard the door open and close. I'm like, they just fucking do whatever the hell they want now. What the hell? I mean, he went, he went to go mow the lawn somewhere, but I was just like... Yeah, so it wasn't like they were part of my intricate daily life Yeah. Um, anymore. And you weren't having to homeschool them and stuff, like all these parents nowadays. No. I'm a homeschool mom, though. My, my youngest is a senior, so, but he finished, he's finishing out his last two classes for senior online before this happened, mm-hmm. um, just because he didn't want to physically go to school anymore and I was like I don't give a shit I tried to get him to just he was talk well he was gonna drop out and just get his GED um because he thought he wasn't gonna pass his classes and all the shit and and he had a full schedule and then so we go in there to talk to the counselor about that and she's like you only have two classes you have to finish like financial literacy and I think like an English credit. I can't remember what the other one is. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't have to take all these other classes. And she's like, no, and you can finish them online. So we were like, cool, sweet. We'll do that. Awesome. So high school so fucking overrated, dude. Yeah, he didn't really want to walk. The, the high school diploma is so overrated. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, there was this one kid here in um, San Antonio, oh, I forgot his name, but they actually made a law about it. He was being, a, he was being um, like bullied, like real hardcore, like hardcore. Yeah. And he freaking committed suicide. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, was school that fucking important that you were still sending your child to school every fucking day and they bullied him to the point of freaking suicide? Yeah. Like, why? I mean, I, I understand school is important and shit, but when he gets to that point, fuck, just get the hell out. You know, get your GED. He was a smart kid. He could have gone straight to fucking college. Yeah. You know, fuck all that shit. Like, the people even enroll high school and the diploma, blah, blah, blah. It, unless you're wanting to go to college and get scholarships and do all this shit yeah. like that. It doesn't. My oldest got her GED because she, she didn't even have to study. She was, she's always been advanced. So she just, when she mm-hmm. was 16, she just went down and took mm-hmm. the test. Um, she didn't have to study. She just passed all of it. She was advanced, far advanced. And so was he. And I've been trying to get him to get his GED since he was 16 because he just doesn't give a shit about doing his homework. He did. So he was going because that's where his friends were. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. He just, it was just becoming, he just didn't want to deal with getting up and going to school anymore. So I was like, online. I don't care. GED or diploma at the end of the day is going to be the same. He just wants to go get a welding. Exactly. Degree. As soon as you get that first college credit, that first hour, who, nobody gives a shit about your high school GPA anymore. No, <laughs> yeah. He should go get a welding certificate. He doesn't care about, he's not going to college. So yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter. And he'll probably make more money than a lot of people who actually go to college, yeah. you know, with welding. Yeah, yeah, they start out making good money, so, yeah. but it all, yeah, so I'm in Denver, but uh, the Denver comedy scene is just really amazing, too, so, mm-hmm. um, balance myself out a little, there we go, not that it matters, because I am recording it, but if I do shoot, if I do use the video part of it, I'm not going to use me, so. Why? 
Oh, because I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the podcasts, a lot of the interviews so far I've done, I'm saying like the same shit over and over, you know, you know, it's really more about like, like you and your experiences and your thoughts Mm -hmm. on the whole everything. Um, so I just like to start out with like, what is like, what's your origin story for comedy? Like, when did you get started and how did that happen? Okay, so my origin story for comedy was I had no interest in comedy at all. I was a teacher. I taught for 15 years. I quit teaching. And one of my friends, is uh, he he put shows together in this little town called Del Rio, Texas. And somebody that he he was having coming in um, couldn't make the show. So he called me. He's like, hey, Irma, you've always been kind of stupid funny. You know, you want to do this? I'm like, I can't do that. He's like, yeah, just go hit a few open mics. I did like three or four open mics that week. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. And then I went and I did this show, fell on my fucking face, shit in my pants and everything. I thought, I like this. (laughs) It was a horrible experience, but I was hooked. It was like meth or something, you know? Like when people yeah. lose, do meth, they lose their teeth, they look ugly, they lose their families, but they're like, I like this. I want to keep doing this. So that's exactly how it felt to me. Yeah, no. It was, it was a horrible experience, but I was hooked, just like a drug. Totally, mm-hmm. totally an addiction. My first experience was amazing. I don't think that if, if I had gone up there and had a horrible experience and didn't do well, I probably would not have continued. Um, I. Yeah. Yeah, because I wouldn't have, like, the high for me is doing well in the laughs, you know, so, um, yeah, if I'd have gone up there and bombed, I gave a speech at high school graduation and bombed, uh, the speech (laughs) was good, my delivery was terrible, I just read through it so fast, I panicked up there, and, and it was bad, so if I had had that kind of experience when I went to comedy, I never would have continued. I'd have been like, well, I guess that's not my teeth red. Sorry. Yeah, you look great. Now I'm looking at my teeth red because I'm drinking Hawaiian punch and oh super... no, your teeth. It was like the powdered one, so I'm like, <laughs> red. Love your shirt though. I know I had to wear it just for you. I wore it like I think the first interview I did to this. Yeah, and then then I did it. Yeah, that was that was a fun time, man. You're the only interview I have today. And oh yeah, who else do you have? Uh, tomorrow I have several. Uh huh. I've had mostly Denver comics so far. Uh huh. Colorado comics, I should say. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you're my first. That's not in my time zone. So I think you're my first non-Colorado comic that I've. Yay! Um, I think some of the interviews I have coming up, like later this week and next week are with comedians I've never even met that are going to be on this year's festival so that's awesome but uh, that's supposed to be this summer right yeah hopefully if if everything goes well with this whole damn quarantine I'm I'm really looking forward to it it's the middle of July close to the end of July so I'm really Mm -hmm. hoping shit's in order by then yeah um you know, at this, I have, point, I have it in my calendar, so I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm Let's just see what forward. the rest of the nation feels. <laughs> I'm moving forward as if it's happening. Um, you know, the, the, the worst case I see at the moment 
you know, if, even if things do open up as I might have to change the venue to uh, one that I don't have to pay for, but mm -hmm. it's still going to happen. Um, there's plenty right. of bars and venues and things here. I just wanted to have it at a theater. I don't really want to have it at a bar. Um, yeah. I mean, the opening oh, last the theater in Kansas. Oh, where were we in Wichita, right? Yeah, it was in Wichita. Yeah. Oh, that was a beautiful theater. Yeah, it was way more than I needed. This theater that here is really cool. It's called Bug Theater, and it's um, it only seats like it only seats like 160. Mm -hmm. the one in Wichita could seat like 600 people, but there really wasn't a good middle option in Wichita. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for a theater setting that was available. So yeah, I, there weren't as many options. There's a lot more options here, but the the place i'm renting here is going to cost me for all the three days i'm having it there the same as that two days mm -hmm. or the same as one day at the theater in wichita cost me so um yeah yeah i really i ended up breaking even mm -hmm. on the festival last year only because <laughs> the the hotel um that i paid for mm -hmm somehow fucked up and refunded all my money <gasps> and i just i withdrew it yeah it was like the oh the, happy 420 by the way oh yeah <laughs> you're like I, i've never given a sh i mean i love weed me neither but i don't know why this year i give a shit I was like, oh, it's midnight. Happy 420. I don't even smoke weed. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I just thought you go. I was like, oh. I fucking <laughs> eat weed every yes. day. Um, can you help me with my phone? A little bit. I'm, in a, I'm oh. doing the recording. These kids help me with their homework. I couldn't help my high school kids with their homework. Not like. Uh, well, not I, it's a, she's writing an essay, so she's oh, a teacher. Yeah, I was a reading teacher, but I, I, but I, I, the highest grade that I taught with eight was eighth grade. So I know yeah. as much as, but you know what? Most adults read at the eighth grade level. So yeah, I, feel like up there. <laughs> I could help them with English. I could help them like with flashcards type stuff to remember yeah. science. Um, oh, I'm horrible at science. I'm horrible at math. Math. Forget it. My kids have been more advanced because my kids are all like advanced for their grade anyway. So I've been yeah. able to help my kids with their math homework since like sixth grade. Cause they've all been, you know, like you my, can, my brain just doesn't work like that. Like some people can just like work with puzzles and things like my daughter had like, like she's, she had like this little graph about time zones. If it's this, you know, time over here in this time zone, what is it? What time is it? Oh my God. I'm horrible at that. You know, so if you hadn't told me um, three o'clock your time, I would have been like, fuck, okay, mountain time and, and okay, backwards, three, four. Yeah. I would I would have got, thank God for, you know, what's her name? My a little Alexa, you know, or my little I cannot do it. I can't. My brain is so yes. fucking stupid. Like, I can't do numbers. I well, I'm count I do accounting, but that's a whole, that's just arithmetic. People are like, you must be good at math. I'm like, I know how, no, accounting is just adding and subtracting. It's, subtracting. <laughs> it's elementary oh. level math. It's a matter yeah. of, you know, you just have to, yeah, it's, 
there's just something with my brain. I, it's probably some sort of like disability or something. Cause yeah, I'm bad with like remembering like dates, um, like even birthdays. Like there's just something that just like I go blank when somebody asks me like, oh, what's your daughter's birthday? I'm like, Bleh. oh man, yeah, yeah. It's just like with yeah, it's it's bad. I once filled out my older son's daycare information with the wrong mm-hmm. day by one day. Yeah. This is the 28th and I put the 29th and my ex-husband corrected them. And I was like, oh yeah, it is the 28th. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I remember, I forget birth years and just everything. I used to be really good at math, um, until I had a car wreck freshman year and got a really bad head injury and couldn't math anymore. Uh, Yeah. Really, math is about memorizing formulas and stuff. It's mm-hmm. memorization, and I don't have very good memory anymore. Yeah. Maybe. Since I bonked my head uh, in 1992 or whatever the fuck that was, it also changed my personality a little. Like, um, it made me like more like like I like a bitch. Uh, it made me. <laughs> I don't believe angry. it. It made me angrier. I can't handle, like, I get, I can't handle, like, lots of noises. I get easily distracted. I'm easily frustrated. Like, yeah. with just, like, very simple things. Yeah. You know? I wasn't like that before I had the head injury, though. Hmm? I wasn't like that before I had a head injury. Um, I don't know. My mama was said a joke about her dropping me and shit, you know? I'm starting to fucking believe that shit. <laughs> dropped me as a baby. Oh, I'm starting yeah. to think that not she accidentally knocked my head against a wall a few times. Ah, uh, yeah, I was walking. I just hit your door, your your head on the doorway or whatever. My little brother, when he, I remember when he was a toddler, like his head was just really big, and it messed <laughs> with his equilibrium. And <sighs> he hit his head bad like every single day of his life from like two to three, I think, or one. Wow. To Whenever he was learning, like first walking, just always had a bruise and a bump on his head. Um, yeah, but his head was just huge. I swear it's like as big as it is now, like when he was two. It was just, <laughs> his head was so big. That's funny. I remember when I was a teacher at uh, the middle school that I used to teach at, there was this one kid, I don't know, he had like, uh, he had some sort of like disorder or something, but his head was huge. Like, I don't know what he had in his head, but it was like almost like an alien head. Like this is my head. Like his head was like it was a regular shaped head, just so much bigger than his body proportionately. He's normal now. He's thirty one. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's normal now. Um, he uh, that's crazy. He's, he's a comedian too, and he um he started like six months before me. Wow, how did that happen? I don't know how, like, I can't remember how he got, he's always loved stand-up. Uh, he's yeah. always been watching stand-up and obsessed with stand-up. And yeah. um, and then uh, there really wasn't a scene in Wichita. And then some kids, as I call them, kids in their 20s, you know, they yeah. really That's started, how I call them too. They started a scene from absolutely nothing. And so oh. he somehow got involved with them. And then... You know, I wasn't even thinking about doing comedy. I was just gonna 
hang out with comedians because I was, I had a breakup and all this shit happened with my daughter and I was sad and Mm -hmm. like hanging out with comedians sounds like it's going to be fun. And so I went to like an open mic and I was like, and people always told me I should be a comedian. And I was like, no, because of that speech I gave in high school, I was like, no, I could never get on stage. I have stage fright. There's no way I could talk in front of people like that. And then I went and watched these idiots at the mic, just dumb white man <laughs> after dumb white man, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I'm funnier than they are. So at least I know I could do comedy here and be funnier than these idiots. So I just did it. And then, yeah, I went up on stage and I came down. And you were like, this is it. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is the one. This is my, this is my one true love. Uh, this is my everything. And, and yeah, so I've been, yeah, I was immediately addicted immediately. I came off the stage just like, just not even the same person I went up as just. That's awesome. Yeah. It wow. Was, it, was yeah. Trans, it was a very, it was a transformation for me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, then I got into comedy and um at the dark I got into comedy at like the lowest point in my life so I know a lot of people are like comedy saved my life and it's not like I would have killed myself if I hadn't become a comedian but <laughs> but you um, feel like ooh, I feel better <laughs> I would have been completely dead inside at this point if I hadn't become a comedian I don't know what I really don't know what my life would look like right now if I hadn't started comedy because like yeah I just I don't even know. I don't even know what where I would be right now if I hadn't started comedy. I don't think I certainly. I don't know would. where I would be either. I'd be so fucking miserable. That's all I know. I think I would be too. Did you already? I really do. Well, my thing, my thing has always been karaoke. Before I liked comedy, I, I've always been mic hog. I you know what I mean. Even when I was a kid, because my dad used to own a salon. What they call them, like um, like dance halls. You know what I mean? Where oh yeah. Get us and weddings and stuff. So, like, he would always have, like, DJs there, and he would always have, like, bands and stuff. And, like, the night would end, so they would, like, leave all their equipment there. And then my dad would make wake me and my sisters up in the morning for us to go, like, clean and mop and all that stuff. You know, like, this big old dance hall. Yeah. And all the equipment was there. So I would always start fucking around with buttons and microphones, and I'd be singing and you know, just fucking around all the time. So I've always been like a big mic hog. Or, and then like my dad would have like, like dances, like teen dances and stuff. And he would always like have me like make commercials. And so I've always been like used to like being like in front of a camera and like being in front of the microphone and like hosting things and stuff. But I never thought that it would be something that I could like make a career out of. Yeah. Like it never even crossed my mind like to get into television or radio or anything like that. It was just always, oh, you're going to, I don't know, have some babies and, you know, get married, yeah. you know, go to college, be a teacher. That's, yeah. That was kind of like, the, I would just, and that's what I did. When now I think about it, I'm like, dude, I should have freaking got on a bus, you know, went straight to LA or yeah. you know, New York or something. But no, I was a fucking dumbass when I got pregnant. But you know what? I have to say that I, I'm glad that I had my kids early in life. Oh, yeah. Because now that, I'm, now that I'm older, they're older, and I still feel young enough to be able to go out and do shit and not feel guilty about leaving them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I wouldn't have done I anything. Mean, great. 
I wouldn't have done anything good with my youth. Um, that I have, I had my first kid when I was, I turned 19 two weeks after. And then I had the fourth one. How many do you have all together? I have, we're blended families. So we have four kids. Four kids. Yeah. Um, I had, my birth children, I have two, one is 26, still lives here with me, which I make a joke about that. And my daughter is 16. You know what I mean? But I'm, I, I, I have my joke. It's, it's really not a joke. It's real, you know, because like I, I talk about, you know, because a lot of people be like, oh, he's 26, so, but he has like so much freedom, you know, he can do whatever he wants, and I, I really don't want him to leave because he helps me out so much. Like especially since I travel so much, and if I don't take my daughter with me, like on the road, I yeah. need somebody to, like have her back. You know what I mean? So take yeah. care of. Her. I uh, I popped four out of me, in rapid succession. Uh. Yeah, I have my first in November of 96, and I have my last in December of 2001. Mm -hmm. So in five years, I gave birth wow. to four children. Um, wow, you were just like a bunny rabbit. I know, I should have been a Mormon or a Catholic or something. It's such we're a all from the same day. Huh? All from the same day. No, the two, the four old different guys. Make me proud of you. Four different guys. No. <laughs> child support checks look like honey. <laughs> no, I have uh, two daddies. The girls. I have the girls with one dad, and then I had the boys with another dad. So, um, yeah, I have two, two, two daddies. Yeah, mm -hmm. it would be shocking if all my children were with the same dad, given my dating history. It really, <laughs> it really would not be a shock to most people if they had different fathers. My aunt um, had a friend. We didn't children. know about the ones that were not born. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I, my aunt, I did get pregnant in high school and had mm -hmm. a miscarriage. Uh, when uh, I was 16, thank God. Nathan, I know. Your, your body, you weren't ready for it. No. Um, no, no. Um, I barely was pregnant, though. I, like, barely was late, and then I had a miscarriage. So it was all, it, there wasn't a lot of time. To, I hadn't even really made a plan or thought I hadn't told my parents I hadn't told anybody you know I was pregnant for like two days mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> enough to take a test are you sure you might have just had a really heavy period <laughs> no I took a test I was late I took a test and I was pregnant and I'm glad because if I had been pregnant I wouldn't have known who the father was because I oh, really slutty summer that year <laughs> The summer between sophomore and That's Kansas for you. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's every freaking teenager, man. No, ma'am. When I, okay, I lived in Tyler, Texas, which was a small town. I think it was like 30,000, 40,000 at the time. And then mm -hmm. we, they moved me to Wichita, back to Wichita, because I was born there. They moved me there in eighth grade, and I didn't want to be there. And when in Tyler, girls were like, losing their virginity at junior prom like normal people and if they were having sex in eighth grade they weren't talking about it and then i moved to wichita and them girls were hoes they had like like my best friend in eighth grade the first time we hung out she fucked two dudes in one night not like together but like one after the other um yeah like that sounds kind of fun. The second guy I didn't know about the first guy is a whole thing. It was craziness. Um, there were pregnant girls in eighth grade. My best friend got pregnant, and her little sister, who was in seventh grade, got pregnant. Um, 
yeah, so it was a whole different fucking, I was so naive when I moved to Wichita from, from Tyler, Texas. I didn't even, in Tyler, it wasn't like you we were legally segregated, obviously, but mm-hmm. just all that lived around me were white people. And anybody else, any person of color at all lived over there. And there was two high schools. There was Robert E. Lee, where I was going to go, and uh-huh. then John Tyler, where everybody else went. So they uh-huh. just—they didn't live around me. People of color didn't live in my neighborhood. They didn't go to my school. So I had uh-huh. nothing to know. I asked a girl in eighth grade shop class if black people did drugs. That's what? If black people did drugs. Uh-huh. They smoked pot, specifically, because every white person I knew in Wichita, all the kids were smoking pot. And I didn't know. I had no idea if black people were smoking pot too. <laughs> That's how naive I was in eighth grade about anything and everything. Oh. And so we gotta tell day. everybody about this pot stuff, guys. I know. Yeah. We do this. We gotta tell everybody. We gotta share with the black people, the Indian people, the Mexicans. I bet the Mexicans don't even know about this pot. Everybody stuff. needs to be doing pot. Yeah. No. Um, we see the world. She just, <laughs> laughed. she just laughed at me, um, and you know, I got my answer. But um, yeah, so but I had I had him young, and I was ha- I'm glad I did. I wouldn't have. I probably would have just. I probably would have died of a drug overdose or something if I hadn't had kids, because there would have been nothing stopping me from partying too hard. There'd have been yeah. Because I still partied when I had just my daughters. Like in 99, I did a lot of hard drugs, but I had them half the time and their dad had them half the time. So half the time I was, you know, a mom and half the time I was a 21 year old fucking smoke and meth, you know? And, um, Oh my God, you didn't know that? 1999 meth. I try to explain this to people. 1999 meth. (laughs) People that don't know, that haven't done meth or been around meth. Uh, the stuff they have now. What is, do you like, is that like something you shoot up or you snort it or I what? I snorted like, it, yeah. People, I'm so dumb when it comes to people that. People smoked it. People, I'm sure, shot it up. Not anybody I know, I knew, but um, at the time. But the stuff they have now is not what they had then. The stuff they had then, you could do recreationally on the weekend and then live your mm-hmm. life like a normal person. Yeah. Because um, they made it with the Sudafed. And so when they made everybody not be able to get the cold medicine they supplemented it, it with and it's so much worse now it's ugh, it's so awful the wow shit. i mean not that 99 meth wasn't awful too <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying it's oh worse. My God. um i've never been addicted to anything really except nicotine um mm-hmm. and i i mean i i had a periods of heavy drinking i just refuse i so refuse to be controlled that when I feel like a substance is controlling me, I will stop it or I will get it under control. Um, wow, that, that's pretty good. Except that, that's good. I, I don't have that kind of control. And we just tend to have addictive tendencies and just, I've, yeah, I've done it with every day when I take us. I want to be that way. I've done it with pills uh, after a car wreck. I, I almost got addicted to, to Percocets. Um, and I realized I was only taking them because if I didn't, I felt pukey. And so I was mm-hmm. like, fuck this. I don't need these anymore. And I felt but like there were, they were pain pills. Yeah. Cause I got in a car wreck and I did legit need them for like a month. Mm-hmm. But the second month I realized I was only taking them because if I didn't, I felt pukey. It wasn't that I was even in pain. Um, and so mm. like, I'm not, and I had all my kids wow. then. This was like 2006. I was like, I'm not going to be one of these minivan driving, pill popping, 
moms scoring drugs from kids at the soccer ground, you know, <laughs> games. And so I just quit and I felt like shit for a month. And then the same with meth, I was getting it for free when I was doing it. And then I bought it once and realized that for me to enjoy meth, I needed to spend like $300. And I was like, cause I bought like 50 bucks first and I was like, this is not enough. And, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do what it's willing. I'm not willing to do what it takes to, to, to continue that. And I loved meth. I daydream about it sometimes. <laughs> Oh it, my god! It made the me. The most I've ever done is weed, and I just and I don't even smoke it. I'll just do edibles. Yeah, meth made me feel so good. The shit yeah. in the nineties, like I just felt invincible. I had so much energy, and the sky was bluer. And and you used to shop at Walmart real fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even. I felt is that like what those people are on. I felt like I looked normal. And behave. You felt like you like, but we're the ones that are like, yeah. I but who knows? Who knows if I real? I know that my work started. I was waiting tables, and I know that one time I'd been up for like three days, and I was talking to my managers, and I was just talking so fast. And I noticed my managers looking at each other and looking at me. And so I kind of walked away and I went over into the smoking section. It was like between, I was working a double. So it was like between shifts, you know, when the restaurant's slow, and I uh-huh. fell asleep and smoking, just drooling all over myself. Oh my God. And my manager woke me up. I mean, I had just been talking nonstop, like uh-huh. a rabbit 10 minutes before. And then I would pass out. And my manager like, woke me up. I was like, I don't know what you're on. But you need to go home and sleep it off and don't you ever come back here like this again or wow. so like people were starting to notice that was like way at the end of it though um, yeah. and then i quit and so and then drinking i i drank real heavy when i got divorced in 2003 i i was drinking like six nights a week because i had i didn't have my kids at night i waited table so i had them during the day and so uh-huh. every night instead of going back to my apartment all by myself, I would just go to the bar like six nights a week. And I was spending like half my money at the bar and I was still able to pay all my bills so well. Um, yeah. I like shit all the time if I, until I started drinking again. And I was like, I'm becoming an alcoholic. So I switched to day shift and I put my, you know, I started getting my kids at night half the time again. And I, I just, you know, moved to a more expensive living situation and um, just made it impossible for me to drink like that. Cause I, won't drink. Yeah. I have to be in a, a, a bar. So I'm a social drinker. Me too. Um, but I yeah, I, I like marijuana a lot, but I go through <laughs> phases of, I'm not addicted to it. I go through phases of where I use it more than other times. I enjoy edibles way more than flour. I don't buy flour often. Um, I, I I have a bunch of flour right now that was given to me, and I'm mm-hmm. smoking it because it was free. And I'll smoke weed with you know comedians outside the mics and shit like that. But I don't. I buy edibles. Sativa chiba chews. I could be like a spokesperson. For Sativa chiba chews. Sativa chiba chews. Like They're my favorite. But yeah. um, yeah. So I've really just always. I hate being controlled so much. Yeah. Well, that's good that you have control over your addictions. 
Yeah, I wish I had control over like my emotions. Yeah. And I do have control over my emotions as far as like what I allow the world to see Uh expressing, but that doesn't make me not feeling them inside. You know, people are always like, you seem so confident. I can't believe you have anxiety. You don't ever seem anxious. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's all in here, buddy. Mm-hmm. All in here. Um, I don't really suffer too much from anxiety. Not too. I've had like maybe like two anxiety. I don't even know if there were anxiety attacks. Because one, I guess, just like little nervousness. Like yeah. really, I don't know. I don't know if there were like anxiety attacks. No, like my. I mean, it's different for everybody. My anxiety attacks, you like can't breathe and. Yeah, sometimes right? when they're real bad. Um, mine, there is a breathing problem, but not like I feel like I'm dying or I'm going to have a heart attack. It's more of a visual thing. Like I will see tunnel vision and I can't, I can't think. And I'm just like, I can't, you know, I'm like, and then I can't breathe because I like hyperventilate a little bit, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I haven't had too many like full on panic attacks. It's mostly just a constant hum of anxiety that's inside me at all times i'm just a very tense person you know yeah like all the time and then yeah (sighs) and then obviously there are things that like ratchet it up or whatever i'm never fully i'm never fully free of anxiety Mm-hmm. I am, I, I, I have many times where I'm free of depression, but I am never fully free of anxiety. Um, but you know, it's helpful sometimes. Some anxiety is good. You need to be anxious about certain things, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, like walking down the street, dark street, alone. watching people around you. Yeah, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a fight or flight response. It's a natural chemical response in your brain. It's needed for re, you know, protection reasons. It's just with some people like me, like something's happened that's just kind of opened up that floodgate, and so, yeah. And there's no good treatment for, for it that I, like there, any medications that help my anxiety, I could not perform comedy on. There's no way. Right. So fuck that. Even my antidepressants, I should be up a, I should be up a dose. Uh-huh. Um, but if I go up a dose, I can still perform comedy and everyone's still laughing and it all seems to be going as well. But inside, I don't, I just don't feel it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just don't feel it. Would, would you be, I know you're recording. Would you be okay if I went outside with my camera and had a cigarette? Oh, I don't care. Go ahead. I just have my, we're talking about cigarettes and addictions. My addiction is kicking in right now. (laughs) I got nicotine. Rainbow drops. So you said you live with roommates right now? I do. Yeah, I have two roommates. Um, A boy and a girl. I mean, not a couple. Uh They're super chill. They're, I got real lucky my rent is cheap so how do you how did you find your roommates did you know them before no just on facebook i just got real lucky (laughs) that's awesome because yeah yeah they're complete strangers um yeah no i just got real real lucky 
Like, so did you already know people in Denver and stuff when you moved down there? Or you were just like, you know what? I think I want to go to Denver. No, I knew, I knew comedians. I knew people from when I lived here before that weren't comedians. I moved out oh. here in 2013, not knowing anybody though. Um, wow. That's yeah. awesome to just kind of have that. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's funny. Cause like I see, I see people that have like that kind of freedom that can just do whatever the hell they want, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, God, fucking awesome. But then, you know what? I'm so fucking, I'm so fucking the type of person that is unsatisfied and shit that even if I had that life, I'd be like, oh, I wish I could just find some place to settle down. But then once, once I'm settled down, then I'm just like, man, I wish I had the freedom of everybody else. You know, just. Yeah. Just, uh, well, just you know. watching your videos, I love your house. Ah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> your house. But we're in Texas, a community property. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I love that house. It's fucking, your kitchen's dope. That video, <laughs> kitchen. I just, yeah. I don't want the responsibility. And I don't know how to cook that good. So that, that's yeah. what's crazy. I don't want to own a house ever again. I owned a house mm -hmm. once. And mm -hmm. I like when shit breaks that I can just call my landlord and they have to come fix exactly. it. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like what my what when I owned a house, my water heater went out, and that was a nightmare. And thankfully, Ugh. the guy I was dating was able to install one, but I still had to buy it, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it. I was never like, I, I was one bad thing happening in my house from not being able to pay my house payment, you know. And then it's always something happening every time. And I don't paint your car or your house or something. You and know? I, you know, a lot of people own houses so they can paint them and decorate them how they want. I don't do any of that. I don't paint the walls. I, I'll own the house just so I can sell it later. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's how you build wealth in this country is owning property, but I don't give a shit about wealth. I want, I currently still, I'm still, I still want a van. I want to live in a van. A van. Awesome. I lived in my SUV when I first moved here for like six months and I didn't hate it. Um, I hated, there wasn't that much space in there and then it wasn't uh -huh. to live in through the winter. And that's how I ended up finding a place to live. I, I moved in here like right before Christmas because it was getting really fucking cold and I was staying with my friend. In <laughs> it was getting cold. Yeah. My friend had a guest room I could stay in temporarily. So I stayed there till I found a place, but I was actually going to my backup plan. Like, cause I was like, if I don't find a place I had to find a place by the end of like December 29th or something like that. And I was like, if I don't find a place by then, I'm just going to take my SUV and go down to Texas. I was going to come down your way in Austin. There you go. Um, Cause it's warm down there. Yeah. So in the winter. So, and then I was going to come back in spring and try again, but uh -huh. my SUV broke down. So I'm glad I found a place. That's awesome. But how's yeah. rent, how's, how's rent over there? Is it, it, is it like LA, New York? Um, it's not, Denver's kind of expensive. It is expensive. It's not as bad as LA. I think it's probably as expensive as San Antonio. I know. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not too bad. I know San, I mean, well, compared to Wichita, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, rent is crazy. Housing prices to buy a house, like, to buy, like, the shittiest house you can find here is probably $200,000. Holy smokes! But still, yeah. I can buy. <laughs> no, not too bad compared to some places in, like a house here in San Antonio that's two hundred thousand dollars, in LA or something like that's like a million dollars. 
Yeah, no, it's not as bad. New York, San Francisco, LA, they're, I don't know if LA is that much worse. It's a little worse. Uh It's as far as rent goes, it's not, it's fairly comparable because I know a lot of comedians that move from here to there and they said it there, you know, it's not that much worse there than here for rent. Uh, I know San Francisco is terrible. I know New York is really bad. Um, but you know, it is, I mean, I only pay like 500, but it's split between, you know, that yeah. this house is like 1500 and it's just a little bitty three bedroom house. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. In Wichita, like for $1,500, <laughs> I could rent your house, you know, um, <laughs> I could have a huge house on a lake for $1,500. Um, Dang. Yeah, it's crazy. But then I live in Wichita, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad part. Hang on, just kidding. No, I liked Wichita, man. It, it was cute. You pay for what cute. you get, you know? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a reason why it costs a lot to live here is because it's a, it's a place a lot of people want to live, and there's a reason why a lot of people want to live here, because it's, it's uh-huh. Um, yeah. I just like having the mountains so close, and then the city so close, so I have... <clears throat> options. Yeah. So yeah. from where from where you're at, can you see the mountains? Not my specific house, no. <clears throat> but they're really when you're out and about. I can be in the mountains in 20 minutes. So are y'all surrounded by, by mountains? Or are you like in a little bowl? Um, no, because like it out oh, it's like it's on one side of the city. West side, the west side is where the mountains are, and they oh, just kind okay. of cut down through the state. So there's like uh-huh. the east side and then the west side of Colorado and the mountains are in the west. The e- east Colorado is basically just more Kansas. Uh-huh. And so you get about 90 miles from Denver and then you start to see the mountain in the distance. Um, but yeah, it's just flat prairie land out there. So the comedy scene is pretty big out there, you said, right? It's amazing. Um, like how many mics can you find like in in one night like on here in san antonio okay we're the seventh largest city in the united states and yeah. i think throughout the whole week maybe there's like seven months really? maybe like no. five to seven mm-hmm. no they're like are... just purely purely comedy no purely comedy one two three four i believe what no there are there are i don't even know i would say just just in Denver, not including Colorado Springs or Fort Collins and Loveland and the stuff of North Co, as they call it, or Colorado Springs, just in the Denver vicinity area, there are at least 15 a week. Wow. That's um, crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You can, you know, you can hit two or three a day if you want. You can go to my... Yeah, like there, there's so few in San Antonio that, like, if somebody opens up a new open a new mic, everybody's like, oh, where do we go? What do we do? You can do both. <laughs> you yeah. know? I, I, I think in, um, in Houston, on Tuesday nights, they have seven mics in one night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's... So I'm really excited. Hopefully, hopefully the show still goes on in, in July. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna consider that one my, like my anchor show, and hopefully I can find like some other little gigs around. I'll probably stay down down there for a while if I'm gonna travel, you know, all yeah. that way. I'll probably stay like for a week or something. Yeah, there's you know, a lot of shows to get on here, and they really love um, out of town comics. Uh-huh. Um, right now, the site's not really the 5280 comedy is the site right now, 
but um it's kind of how, how's the how's the like the latino community is there a lot of is there is there like a latino community over there or not really too much of comedians or comedians and like just People? like if, yes mm -hmm. i live in the the area i live in is predominantly hispanic um mm -hmm. uh every single house around me is just a hispanic family barbecuing awesome. mm -hmm. and killing me um but comedians not too many not a whole lot i would i mean I, maybe i'll stand out over there <laughs> there's a lot of white people here yeah <laughs> um, a lot of white dudes um yeah there's not really i mean not that there aren't any but yeah there's not, not too many. there's not a community of hispanic mm -hmm. comedians here that's for sure yeah um yeah there's a community what about of like black comedians mm -hmm. probably um but not like in wichita there was a definite like two comedy scenes there was mm -hmm. a there was the 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 black comedy scene the urban comedy scene as mm -hmm. people call it and then there was like the white people um yeah there's, here there's not really enough there there is like there is kind of like a, a black comedy scene, I guess. Not so much here. It's more in the Springs in Denver. It's just, everyone's just really mixed together. Um, yeah. and, but it's, it is mostly white people. So yeah. And what about, yeah. what about like, an, an, that's one thing that I do like about San Antonio is we have like a younger commu uh, community of, of like comedians. And then we also have like an older, community there is of, definitely of i like i like that so i'm like kind of like right in the middle me too you know what I mean? so I can like kind of jump back and forth but i'm kind of leaning towards more like the older comedians who kind of cater towards like the 30s you know 40s you know yeah I mean? there's there's definitely a group <laughs> there's definitely a group of those here um most of the comedians are there's a lot of really young comedians but the comedians that i that are producing shows that are you know getting booked a lot that are producing the shows that are hosting mics for the most part i think they're probably like you know 30 they're early 30s they're like adults okay that's cool yeah that's cool. there's a lot of adults doing comedy here yeah i like that and here the biggest the one of the biggest benefits of denver is comedy works mm -hmm. um and their new talent program they have they have an actual system for getting local talent on their stage. Um, and they try to, at least the MCs and the hosts um, of their shows are, are, they try, unless a headliner doesn't want one and brings their own, they're, they're, they're local comedians. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's still a long shot to, it's still a process to get to that point. And there's only, there's not right. a lot of those opportunities compared to how many people mm -hmm. there are, but at least the opportunities there, there's no opportunity yeah. in Wichita. What to host at the loony bin who gives a shit. Yeah. Um, and like when, when you first moved there, hey, here I am asking all the questions. Those right. exactly, I don't get prepared for when I'm over there. Get to so when you, first, when you, when you first moved there, did you feel like the, 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 the comedians and the whole comedy community, were they like welcoming? Oh yeah. Um, kind of like, who the fuck is this bitch? No, <laughs> I've been coming out here since I started though. So I've had a long oh. relationship with 
And then me and my brother would bring Denver comedians to Wichita. No, they are super welcoming. Um, well, as a whole, obviously, yeah, not everyone. But the female right. comedians here really um, are support running, each other. And stuff. They're running this shit. So awesome. A lot of this shit. The is, way it should be with the whole nation. <laughs> yeah, I know that. That's a big, big bonus for me to be in Denver too. Is the because I uh, all had it. I won't. Most of we're not even to the point, so this isn't actually going to be in the podcast. But I went to Omaha for a couple months because I knew a lot of female comedians there and I uh -huh. thought it would be like that, but man, those girls are mean. There's like, oh. a, there's like a group of them that are like the mean girls and they <gasps> really don't like two of the women who are like my best friends in Omaha. Like the two, women, Oh no, the two women. So then they're like, we don't like her either. No, they were mean. They were so mean. Um, but they liked me, you know, uh -huh. um, they don't even know I don't like them though yeah like not that I'm two-faced about it I just uh yeah they don't know that I don't like them I just <laughs> well now that you oh no that's not coming out on the podcast uh -huh. I didn't I, it's not that I want to be two-faced about it but there is a certain point when you're an adult that you can't just go off on every person you want to go off on you know yeah so um and they you know they they're just it's in it, it they're they're mean in a way that's even hard to for people on the outside don't see it you know they're not mean in a public way so you right. know just just not right they're the kind of women that make other women not want to do comedy you know what i mean and they're not yeah. funny that's the thing is like their ringleader isn't funny um really not <laughs> funny at all not as funny as she thinks she is or as much attention she gets yeah. she lived in omaha now though she moved somewhere else i think kansas city yeah one of my best friends lives there her name's brooke and she's amazing and beautiful and they oh wait what's her last name brooke barcel have you done her mic in line what is it brooke what barcel b-a-r-s-e-l-l yes i did her mic i love her. and I'm, I'm gonna be on her show on saturday she's doing a saturday oh. show she wanted me to be on the show Saturday, but I'm actually already on a show here Saturday. Ah, yeah. that's crazy. Yay. She's our, she's our, 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 our what, she, the six degrees or one degree of separation. Yeah, she, <laughs> wanna, she's going to be on the, she's actually, um, she's like thin, has kind of like sandy blonde yeah, hair, wears glasses. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Yes. That's she's on my, uh, she's on the board for the nonprofit actually for our, okay. Yeah. So um at the moment that's, that's the one thing i can say that i'm really liking about all this you know having to stay home and like we're forced to like meet other people and yeah. i love it you know what i mean i'm meeting people from all over the nation and you know right. la I omaha was already, you know I was already doing that but i was doing it by going there which is exactly. so much fun <laughs> exactly but you know it's funny because you know um one of the ones that i met at at the the one that we did in Wichita at the, the festival there, I met Angela Owens Walker or yeah. Walker Owens. I love her. And so like we, we communicate a lot on, you know, on Facebook and stuff. It was super funny because I, I made a meme and um, it was, oh, how did it go? Oh, I'm a, oh, I'm a trophy wife, but it was a 
it was a participation trophy. I made a meme. It just popped into my head. And she messaged me. She's like, Irma, that's my joke. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, yes, you must have heard it at, when we were in Wichita. And I was like, are you sure? Yeah, she sent me the link and everything. I was like, oh, shit. That's where I, like, it, like I saw it. I must have liked it. And I thought it was my thoughts. Yeah, no. Like, luckily, luckily, I only had it up on Facebook like for a few minutes and she was like oh no and I was like I don't let me delete this I don't want people like thinking I'm stealing jokes or whatever yeah you know what I mean so yeah so that was that was subconscious I, I liked her a lot and actually so I do I'm doing a Saturday show also but I I host it but like everything that I do are they're like already like pre-recorded clips and stuff Oh. So um, she sent me her clip, and it was, it was actually, I think she was trying to send me the one from Wichita, but it couldn't go through, so she sent me another one from the improv, and it was just awesome. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely using this one. Yeah. So she's one of the cool chicks, and then my roommate, Betsy, I've, I haven't really talked to her much on, on Facebook, but, I mean, um, recently, but, you know, I, I follow her and stuff, so she was a, another cool one. So, yeah, yeah I, met, I feel like I met a lot of cool people at, at your your festival so that's why i was like i definitely want to do it again well the, you know bulk I mean? of the comedians that are on the festival maybe not the bulk i would say half at least are denver comedians colorado mm -hmm. colorado comedians because i put it yeah. out them first them and the previous last year's you know participants got to submit first. Mm -hmm. they're automatically in if they're in colorado i didn't even watch their videos so there's yeah. going to be a lot, a lot of Denver and Colorado comics at the festival. Yeah, count, you definitely count me in because I definitely want to be there. You just let me know how I can help you and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's so. going to be, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to have, there's um, a couple sketch groups. There's one improv group. Um, there's going to be a film um, that's, that was written and directed by women that is oh, like kind of a darker comedy, but it is comedy. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be more than just stand up. Uh, and the thing and is a, a lot of the video that I got from that festival, a lot of the pictures that I got from that festival, I use them a lot. Like when I send out like my EPKs or like whenever I'm, I'm making like I'm I have like my headshots and stuff. Like a lot of those pictures, I, I I'm using them. You know what I mean? So it was it was a wonderful opportunity. So I'm bringing James to Denver to take pictures too um, for this yeah. festival because I love him. But there'll be other photographers there. It's going to be so much bigger than one person can do this. this yeah, event. it's going to be four days at two locations, and um, so I want to have more than one. I want to have like a photographer that is dedicated to you know, behind the scenes pictures, a mm -hmm. photographer that's dedicated to the audience, a photographer that's dedicated to the comedians, you know, um, so they don't have, so they're getting all the good shots and not having to choose which shots, you know, to take. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talent here too, as far as all that goes, as far as the talent I need to support a nonprofit um right. graphic designers and videographers and grant writers and uh there's a lot of artistic talent in this town and denver is denver like the citizens uh, the audiences love comedy they love local comedy. that's perfect yeah that was the real problem wichita does not lack talent um Okay. But they don't have a lot of like support from the 
audience community. The audience stuff. is not very supportive of of um, local comedy shows because most local mm -hmm. comedians are pretty liberal, you know, uh, progressive yeah. people. Um, Wichita loves hypnotists and people with puppets and anything with a gag. Um, <laughs> hack, yeah. As a whole, Wichita enjoys hack comedy. Um, yeah. So the, the audience isn't there to to support, you know, like not just there, there's a lot, not just a lot of mics here, but there are a lot of just regular weekly, monthly, bi-monthly shows. I mean, there, there are, there are two um, comedy rooms. There's one that's basically like a, a little comedy club, but it's still a comedy, like an independent comedy room that, that does comedy four nights a week. Um, wow. Yeah, that's ran by this uh, comedian that came here from New York that's super, super great. So, and a lot of comedians from LA and New York are are coming, if they, either coming here or they're coming back here if they left here for LA and New York. Um, right. So I think that, I think that, yeah, I think Denver is, for me, Denver is like all around the best scene in the country. Um, I'm a little biased, I know, but I think when you factor in everything, you factor in the audience, you factor in, um, you know, legal marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> legal marijuana. You factor in the cost of living versus the other scenes like LA and New York. Um, yeah, Denver's a place, like, it's not just LA and New York now it's like people there's la new york and denver oh yeah absolutely so, absolutely denver's up there on the top of the list <laughs> and i'm and i'm you know i'm i'm not just here like participating in comedy like i'm part of the denver comedy scene i run the website i'm building a new website called colorado comedy connect that's going to be more geared towards audiences because our current site's kind of geared towards out-of-town comedians to give them the mics, to give them the shows so they can contact people to get booked when they're coming through. But I want to, I want to get one that's more towards like the audience and letting them know about all the shows. Cause there's just so many shows here. There's so many yeah. shows. I, I, I started an, uh, a group for producers, comedy producers, like people that produce shows and mics, um, mostly just shows in this town. And at the moment, I think there's like 110. So there's 110 people, not just in Denver, but in like in Colorado, like, cause we like North Colorado, there's Fort Collins, there's Loveland, then there's Colorado Springs. So that whole area, um, there's a, over a hundred of us that are making shows on a, so that's how yeah. many shows there are here. There's hundreds of shows every month. Wow. In the, in a driving distance of Denver. In the vicinity, yeah. Within 90 minutes of Denver, there's at least a hundred shows a month. Mm -hmm. at least I haven't counted them there's so many um yeah when because I do the I do the 5280 comedy Facebook and um so I I whenever I see a show I'll add it to the 5280 comedies you know events and so when everybody oh, you do the whole um I've seen that with yeah. all the all but it's nationwide too don't you do a nationwide one also now, well, that's on my personal website or my personal oh, website. Yeah, I do have like a list. I did have a list. I that has so been not kept up. 
and now mm -hmm. he knows. <laughs> well, that's difficult to keep up. Yeah. Well, a lot of them link, if, if they already have a good site, if they have a good resource, I just link it to that. Um, yeah. One I really, really keep I think, up I think I sent you my link. Huh? Yeah. I think I sent you my link for the same yeah, I'll have a decent link. And yeah, I am shocked that there's not more in San Antonio. Yeah. It's I mean, crazy. Are there the comedians? Like, how many comedians are at there? Um, we have quite a few comedians. We have quite a few comedians. But San Antonio really isn't, um, uh, it's more like a family town. You know what I mean? Like, if you're young and, and you know, you really want to get into comedy and stuff, a lot of the comedians will, like, move to Austin. Austin, yeah. You know? But, I imagine like, Austin, you know, like, raise a family and stuff, and they move to San Antonio. <laughs> Austin it's more, has to, it's more of a family town. Yeah. City. Austin, There's a lot of stuff for kids, yeah. I would say Austin, just from what I know that I've never been there, is probably for, you know, I think for me it would go like New York, LA, Denver, Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe like Seattle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, well, I don't know. I just, I just feel like San Antonio, where it's at, I mean, it's so central. I mean, I know it's south, but it's just so central United States. I just I just feel like it's just waiting to, like, explode. And, it means, and I want to be part of it when it does, you know? Well, it, Denver, Denver, the Denver comedy scene um, was systematically built by comedians, uh, you know, over the last 15 years um, mm -hmm. to be what it is, to be where comedians can get paid. Just, mm -hmm. I know comedians that live here that support themselves on comedy that don't travel a lot. Um, just, mm -hmm. you know, just in shows that are locally produced, not even, not even talking about um, the comedy clubs. So, yeah. But that was a, that was just a, that was just because they, we have these pioneers that came forward and, and made not made comedy valuable to venue owners. So venue owners pay you and they made it good to where people want to pay to go see it. Um, right. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that are really like, we are, we are like mama bears about the scene. Um, so sometimes some comedians that don't like that feel like we are um, trying to be PC and and trying to be, um, you know, censor people. But it's just because a lot of the comedians, the ones running the scene here are business people. And um, it's all about butts and seats. And the butts that are in the seats here are people that don't want to hear your stupid, homophobic, racist, misogynistic bullshit. And they're not going to sell tickets. They're not going to put butts in seats to hear that. Mm -hmm. And there are scenes, there are, go to Kansas if you want to spit that shit. Go to Vegas if you want to spit that shit. You know what I mean? There's, there's scenes for you. There's an audience for that stupid shit. And it's yeah. not, it's not Denver. Yeah. <laughs> You know, go somewhere else. Cool. Um, because at the end of the day, it's about entertaining an audience. Mm -hmm. Not about getting your little political agenda on stage across. It's about entertaining an audience. And if you can't entertain the audience, 
you have no value, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you got to know your audience. And that's one reason I like being here is because the Kansas audiences aren't my audience, you know? Mm -hmm. There's somebody else's audience for sure, but they're not mine. I don't, I don't have a guitar or a puppet. So. <laughs> that's funny. Ah, uh, there's a lot of good improv here too. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the thing. I mean, I don't want to, I tried out for improv. It's not my thing. Um, but it's just, I don't the, think I could do improv. It's not my thing and that doesn't make it bad. Um, because I'm a quick thinker. I can't think on my feet. <laughs> not just, I need to have like, I need to have like my set, like already organized and out. Yeah. And when I'm with a group on stage, I will back out and I will let them do the show. Um, mm -hmm. Which some people that know me think don't like, or find that hard to believe, but I, I really don't, I'm not very good at, asserting myself comedically like that, you know? Um, and so I'll just, I'll just, I'll just stand there. I won't interject and do what you're supposed to do in improv. And yeah, my, mm -hmm. my mind goes blank, like, like on a test, you know, I'm like, do I ever think of anything funny? Cause right now I can't think of anything funny. Um, <laughs> but I have, I do want to take some improv classes just to exercise that part of my brain. And I have been trying lately to. Um, My phone is beeping. It's about to die. Oh no! We haven't even talked about what we we're supposed to talk about. <laughs> Let me see. Hold on. Oh no! It's not my. It's not that. Oh shit! No, it's not that. <laughs> I got a text message. I just had a thing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I was like, what the hell? I could have sworn I just. I was charging it when I was putting my makeup on. Let me see where we are. Okay, now I'm good. We're good. We're good. We're good. No, I yeah, but I've I've been I've been less structured. I was really really anally structured in the beginning because I I'm an, I I have an accounting degree, so I have that like a type mm -hmm. of personality uh, too. But it was making it not fun to be so rigid. Um, I wasn't able to have fun up there like I wanted to, and and um. So I like, I know how I'm getting into my set now, but I don't, and I know how I'm getting out, but I don't know what I'm doing in the middle exactly. I know what, yeah. and so a lot of times, um, jokes that I've never worked before that are in my head, because I've written them down somewhere or just thought about them recently will come out, but that's because they fit so perfectly in what I'm saying. And so it's a lot of writing on stage that I've been doing lately. Um, mm -hmm. Especially with at mics, especially at mics. Um, but you know, I think when I, when this shit gets going again, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find a, a happier middle ground between planning and just winging it. But yeah, I had to. I, I you have to be, you have to be able to wing it a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Just especially like when you have like hecklers and stuff. Yeah. So right. What, what I did is I stopped winging it all together until I was comfortable not winging it, or I was comfortable winging it. Um, yeah. So once I'm comfortable winging it, I'll start to be able to, then I can do both. Right. Because um, I couldn't wing it at all before. <laughs> not at all. If there was a heckler that threw me off, I, I would have to like literally look at my notes and be like, where was I? 
Exactly. And I'm after five years, I'm barely getting better at that. That's where like people people can't throw me off as bad as they the only reason they can't throw me off as bad as they used to is because I have uh I've just I, I will go up at a mic with no plan. Like I don't even know what I'm gonna say. I just go up there, you know. Um so I just challenging myself to do those things when it doesn't matter if I fail. Um, but like, if I go up to, if I, when I get my next set at comedy works, my three minutes, there's two minutes, there's a whole process. So when I get to go to the next level and I get to do my three minutes at comedy works, that will be planned every second, every minute, because I only have three minutes and it's gotta be my best. And I, I want, you know, I want to get a laugh within 10 seconds. I want to have a laugh so many times per minute. I, you know, so that's going to, that's, you know, so tell me about that. Like, how do you feel about that whole, um, laughs per minute? Cause I do that. And you know, I, I will record my sets and I'll go back and I'll actually like count like how many laughs, you know, like if there's anything longer than like 15 seconds where I'm not getting a laugh, I'm like, ugh. I need to put it or I need to do something else. You know? If you want to try out, cause I was talking to somebody that, um, that, uh, does booking for like America's got talent and stuff. Um, they wanted to come to the festival, but they want me to pay them like their airfare. And I don't have money for all that this year. So maybe next year, but, um, yeah. you know, industry, the industry, when you talk to industry people, they care about laughs per minute. They care how yes, you get the laugh. They care about how many laughs you're getting, and they care about how hard you get a laugh at the end. So, um, yeah, industry comedy clubs they care about that shit. So you're you're ahead Absolutely. of stage. Good, because I mean, I, I I remember I made a post and one, and they were like, "Oh, why are you doing that?" And like people. Like, I'm totally cool with, like, comedy classes and stuff. I've taken a few comedy classes. I read books. You know what I mean? And people are like, oh, that can't teach you how to be funny. No, it can't teach you how to be funny, but it can teach you structure. It can tell you what people like and how they think about things and, you know, how their human brain works. And it teaches you some of the business part of it that you don't know until you learn it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It teaches you how to most use your time at an open mic and, and, and networking. So this kind of gets into what we mean to talk about. So like the art of comedy, um, is what, what, what the nonprofit is doing is going to be paying for comedy and improv classes for, um, starting with women um, that have, you know, women, that have gone through trauma or abuse um, and whether they actually do anything with it and get on stage after the classes is not really the point. Um, it's just a matter of like bringing the, the benefits of comedy and the way it changes your brain and how you think about yourself to these women. Um, and so I think that, cause I just know how much comedy has helped me and my self-confidence and, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that would be like the first thing I usually I want to talk about on here is like just how comedy has has helped you as a woman or to to work through difficult things or you know um, yeah just how comedy has benefited you. How comedy has benefited me. Okay. Well, I, 
there's like here let me let me get myself situated here again okay. this, is, this is probably gonna be the part that you're gonna use okay so actually um we had let me see we actually had um a student who was working on his dissertation um come and interview a lot of the comedians here in san antonio and um, it, it was kind of cool. His, his name is Sean Vinia, so if you want to look him up, his, his, oh. it, he, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be out pretty soon. How do you spell his last name? A V-I-N-A, with a little tilde on the end, Vinia, Sean Vinia. He was S working on his dissertation. S-E-A-N, Sean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'll look so just look him up. And um, it, it was pretty interesting, you know. Um, one of the, the things that he did ask was, like, if comedians or he he asked everybody if, if if comedians like if you're going through something do you have to talk about it right away you know what i mean and i and i do know friends like who are like going through, who've gone through divorces and like bam they talk about everything that's going on in their life right then and there you know what i mean me on the other hand when i do something tragic i have to like kind of embrace it hold on to it for a while maybe for a few years or something you know but once I'm over it, then I can talk about it on the stage. Yeah. You know, I barely now talk, being able to talk about, like, my divorce from my first husband because it was just so, like, traumatic for me, like, emotionally and stuff. I And now I can, I can make fun of it. And I don't, like, tell, like, a whole story. You know what I mean? But, you know, I, I, I can talk about it, and it feels good, you know? And I'm pretty cool friends with, like, my ex-husband's wife and stuff now. And I told her, hey, I have this joke. It's a little bit about you, you know. And she's like, I want to hear it. I'm like, no, I can't, you know. And she was at she was at one of my shows, and I told her I couldn't do it. And she's like, oh, you should have. And I was like, no. And then um, one of the other comedians came up to me and was like, dude, I wanted to hear that joke about your ex husband's wife. I'm like, shut up. This is her right here. <laughs> so I was so glad that I had told her before I before she actually heard that comedian say something, you know. So like it took me like I've been I've been divorced. My daughter's sixteen, so almost like fifteen years. You know what I mean? And I'm just now been able to talk about it like maybe like the last two years. And then after I got divorced, I actually started dating somebody, and he ended up like becoming like a horrible stalker, like horrible, horrible, horrible. Like it was terrifying. Like cops and you know when windshields broken house getting broken into like the works like in a like like he stalked me like in a fucking like the way people stalk in the movies you know it was, it was pretty scary and i'm again i'm just barely able to talk about that now a lot of people will talk about it like right then and there when it's happening to them but i can't like it takes me it takes me a while you know and that whole stalking thing happened like maybe like you know nine or ten years ago and i still get a little bit scared because they they he lived here in san antonio and i still get a little bit scared that he's gonna see like my set or he's gonna see a commercial or something and yeah so i I, I deal with it but i don't deal with it until like later until i'm comfortable i don't like, think people have to necessarily even make jokes about the trauma to have comedy help them overcome the trauma you know what i mean um because it just makes your brain look at things differently um, to where it can find humor in, in bad things. Um, you know, so even if they don't, like I have, I have material about 
my trauma, but I don't tell it very often. Um, but my trauma, my situation is ongoing. So it's not, it's not over. It's probably never going to Oh, shit. Ugh. Yeah, I don't, I see, I don't know if I could, I, I know, like, a lot of comedians use the stage also, to, like, break up as, like, like, as, 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 like, a way, like, a, you know, as therapy or something. Yeah. I use it after I yeah. feel healed. I talk so about, people use it to become healed, huh? I talk about everyday trauma. Like, I talk about breakups with boys on stage immediately. Mm-hmm. Um to feel better. I, I talk about, you know, but I mean, yeah, I talk about if you come see me, you want to know what's, I always tell me, if you want to know what's going on in my life, just come see me at a mic because you'll see me talk about it. Um, yeah. but like these huge, just really traumatic events, um, in my life, I've not written any comedy about most of them. Um, and I probably won't, I mean, I'm not going to write like, I, I, I don't, I've tried to write some jokes about sexual assault and stuff like that, but I haven't found a way to really make it funny enough that it's going to be funny to the audience. Because if you write about things like that, they got to be so funny that the audience can get, overcome their sadness or discomfort. Exactly. Or, or you can talk about things, but maybe not give the whole story like just kind of yeah. you know what i mean but to you it's healing but yeah. the audience has no idea what is fact and what is fiction yeah you know what i mean so because i mean some of the stuff that i say some of it's true and i embellish a little bit too just to make it funny yeah you know what i mean and, and so I, I it doesn't get too dark you know it's still funny it's like hey what about this and what about that and like, oh yeah I'm pretty dark in my comedy all around, even in mm-hmm. my, you know, even with my jokes about my kids and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I mean, so my comedy is already pretty dark, I think, as it is. Um, but that's just how my mind works. So I, you know, that's just how my mind works. And that's how my comedy already is. Right. And I'm, and I'm already that dark in general and then I bring in a really dark topic it's hard for me to get the audience to be entertained by it and not just sad or concerned for me like I have jokes about I have jokes about suicide I have jokes about suicide attempts um that I love telling but if I am I have to be in like a really good mood I have to be very energetic and happy when I'm telling them because if I am just the slightest bit sad while I tell those jokes, then people can feel it. Literally, people will come up to me and give me the suicide hotline number and be like, I'm here if you need to talk. And I'm like, I was just talking on stage where I wanted to talk. <laughs> Thank you for caring. So, yeah. But it, yeah, it's- yeah. And those, those, are, those are always hard jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anything dealing with suicide and death. I remember at an open mic, I tried to joke about um, death and it was just, it just bombed. <laughs> it was, uh, we, there was this um, young lady here in San Antonio who passed away. And maybe that was another thing because I was talking about somebody here in San Antonio, but it had already been like maybe a year and a half when this had happened. And um, she passed away, um, funeral home, took a body and everything, you know, and then all of a sudden her body went missing. <laughs> and up to this point, they have yet to find it. 
she just disappeared, disappeared, you know? And I'm just like, how, how, many, how many dead people you got in San Antonio that they can't keep track? No, I'm serious. Okay, so then everybody's like thinking, oh, that somebody just took a body, you know, they hid it in the woods. Or people are looking in their backyards, looking in the woods and everything, you know, and they, they're looking for this body at this park called McAllister Park. They didn't find her body, but they found another body <laughs> while they're looking for her body, you know, and I'm just like, what the hell? So, I mean, me, I think that's, I mean, it's kind of gruesome and stuff, but I just thought it was really interesting. And, you know, I, I thought a joke would probably do well somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Where the actual so, I, I wrote this joke about how the hell do you kidnap a dead body and there's no freaking cameras? You know what I mean? Like, I can't even steal, like, a box off of my neighbor's, you know, porch without fucking getting caught. Like, how the hell do they not know what happened to this fucking body? There's cameras everywhere. I don't understand how anybody can go missing. I would any nothing. There's, I wouldn't think you'd need security measures at a morgue like that. I don't think you, or a, or a, or a funeral home. I just don't think you would need, I didn't think it would be something you'd have to worry about, a body being stolen. Well, not a body being stolen, but what if somebody's breaking in? And what do you, what do you call those people that have sex with dead bodies? Uh, necrophiliacs. Yeah, you never know. I, if I were the owner, I'd be like, why do you want to work with dead people? I'm putting the camera here. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just so, there's just cameras everywhere. I just cannot believe they have yet to find this little young lady. They well, said like her, her boyfriend had kidnapped her and stuff after she was dead. If but, nobody knows about necrophilia, it's really a victimless crime. <laughs> it's, a, it's a what? Victimless crime. Victimless. I mean, it would be horrible for the families of that dead person if they found out, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but if no one knows about it, who's really getting hurt? Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're just having sex with a cocoon. So see, like, I, like, I feel like I can't say those kind of jokes. People would just be like, Oh, and then that's I my dark humor. That's his community is so, you know, superstitious, and you know, oh, you know, I do me on I have. Oh yeah, that's the so that's the kind just, of dark humor I have though. It did not hit well. Like people were, it was just like crickets. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's funnier. You, you should try it in a different scene and see. I I, yeah. I bet it would. I bet it would probably do. Like try it at a mic when you come to Denver. I bet it would probably. I'll do. try that, but it would do. We're pretty and I guess maybe because she was a local girl, you never know who's like in the audience. And yeah. Stuff, you know? yeah. 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 Yeah, it was weird. Just too close. Maybe, maybe I will try it in Denver. <laughs> See how it goes over there. There's there's too soon and there's also too close, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you're right. Too soon and too close. Too close. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah but those 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 jokes about those jokes about morbidity and you know, th those are, they're hard for me. You know what I mean? Like, even like abortion jokes are difficult for me. The only, know? the only abortion joke I have is wrapped up in the dark material I have about my daughter, um, and the situation with her. And, um, yeah, I, it's, uh, on my, I don't want to talk about it too dark. <laughs> my daughter, my daughter's with my ex. I don't know if you heard that joke. I don't think mm. I, I don't know if I did him at the festival. She's date like she's marrying him tomorrow. My oldest daughter. 
is marrying somebody I was with for six years tomorrow. What? Yeah. Wait, 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 are you for real or no? No, I'm serious. Like, but really tomorrow or this is a joke? No, like tomorrow, tomorrow, like literally the 21st of April. I thought well, it was the day. Did you see your daughter? My daughter, my eldest child. Your eldest child yes. is going to marry yes. somebody you were with for six years. Yes, we were together for six years. When we split up, she was 18. They got together. They've been together for the last five years. How old is he? He's like 48. And how old is she? She's 23 now. But at the time, they, you think they were messing around before? You think she was being molested? No. See, people have brought that up, and I don't. I, they, because him and I, had, him and I had a healthy sex life, um, most of our relationship, even though we fought a lot and didn't get along. Um, mm -hmm. I do think it started shortly before we officially split up. But we were like emotionally. That's some Kansas shit right there. <laughs> That's some nowhere shit. Way before that. <laughs> That's some nowhere shit. I Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god! You can write like a story about this. I, I want to read the book. I've no, never told the book. I can read that good. I want to watch the movie. <laughs> I've never told anybody that story who's been like, "Oh my god, me too." Um, yeah, well, the only I mean, I saw, I just saw that yesterday on the Maury Povich show. Yeah, no, the only, the only person I can think of that could relate to me is Woody Allen's ex-wife, and hers is actually worse, because they adopted the child and raised it together. Yeah, um, wow. But, but she's probably the only person that I could discuss this with and actually feel, feel any way understood, like, because nobody else even knows how to handle it, you know what I mean? They don't even know how to, like... But wait, y'all were broken up for a while. Please at least say at least that, that y'all were broken up for a while. Before I found out about it? No, before they started dating. No. Um, by what she admits to, um, it was a, a couple months. Um, That's still way too close. No. But, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know. But why, but from what I, I suspect... Um, it started maybe three months before we officially split up. I, I had kicked him out of my bedroom, um, several months before we actually split up and we were supposed to be going to therapy and all this other shit. Um, so that's when it's so are all still, are you and your daughter, y'all are still okay? Like, <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, we're, we're probably as good now as we're going to get. Um, we're not, are you going to the wedding? <laughs> no. I can't, I, I can't be in a vicinity because I cannot believe this. I want to read their tarot cards. I'll go to prison. That's so nosy. I will murder him. I can't be, a, I can't be in the vicinity. You know what's, this is, okay, this is how, this is why I think that, like, people are like, like, I'm not just being, oh, woe is me. Like, I really legit think that I was a horrible person in a past life because some shitty things happened to me that I know I didn't do anything in this life to deserve. I deliver DoorDash, right? Um, like food. And when I was still in Wichita, and this is one of the reasons I had to get out because they were living there. They're in Reno now, thank God. But at the time they were there. I had to deliver food to them. Taco Bell. Oh, and did they not, they fucking knew it was you. Your picture was on the fucking DoorDash thing. They knew it was. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about Uber Eats. Yeah, no, they saw my, they saw my, they saw that Helen was delivering their food. And they, I saw that I was delivering food to Andy, 
And, but I was like, there's a lot of Andes. And I knew that it was, it was getting me to the vicinity of the apartment complex they lived in. I didn't know which one they lived in, but they were like, in Wichita, there's this area where there's a whole bunch of them all together. And I knew it was driving me to the area that they lived in. And I was like, it's gotta be a different Andy. You know, what are the odds? This can't be, but no. And I, uh, and so, but they, the app didn't put their apartment number in there. And so I had to call to get the apartment number and he immediately hung up the phone when he heard my voice. And so I texted him and I was like, look, I've got this Taco Bell. I have to deliver it to you so I can clear this out so I can continue on with my evening. Right. Um, So I got to get this fucking food to you. So he met me at the, at the, at the clubhouse of the apartment and um, I, I got there. I tried to get there as quickly as I could. So I wouldn't, cause I was really afraid that if I saw him walking, I was going to run him over. Cause I really, <laughs> I would have, I wanted to murder him. <laughs> so I meet him at the clubhouse and I get out of my car. I leave my keys. Like I take away every opportunity I have to hurt him because I don't want to go to prison. And um, his card won't fucking swipe. So I have to like, it wasn't DoorDash then. It was, it was something, it was a, it was a similar thing they were getting going in Wichita. I had to actually Mm -hmm. wipe their cards. So I had to type in his card. I had to ask him his zip. And like, so this interaction took so much longer than it needed to. Um, Oh my God. If it were DoorDash, I could have just left it. I cannot believe this. Right? I can't. It's fucking insane. And so it's like, yeah, I went, so I, I didn't continue working. I, you know, got upset, obviously, and I cried, and I go, I go, go home, and my husband at the time, by the time I get home, I'm just in complete meltdown, and I'm just crying so hard, he can't even, he's like, who died, you know, and so I, I tell him, yeah, and I had to, like, somebody died. <laughs> he was like, what, and I was like, yeah, this is the shit that happens to me, um, that I don't, this just, like, life, being cruel it just you know like it's just rubbing salt in the worst wound is wow oh my god and on top of it it was fucking taco bell fucking bell nine dollars go to the drive-thru at taco bell (laughs) nine dollars worth of taco bell they didn't have a car i guess i don't know oh my god helen are you fucking kidding but yeah so i don't really have material about it because I mean, I have material about it, but... No, just that story is so fucking interesting. But you know what? There, there have been times, though. There have been it's times... so horrified. I can't tell a story on stage, and I don't... Like, it might be, like, a news story that I don't have, like, a lot of tags and a lot of funny stuff in it yet, but I just want to start verbalizing it. And I'll do it, like, at open mics and stuff. And maybe I don't have people laughing, but I have people looking at me. Yeah. And, like, listening. So I'm like, okay, I don't have a lot of laughs in this right now, but they like the story. So I just need to add some tags. I need to do some funnies or whatever. That's a great fucking story. I mean, I don't know if you want to tell people that story, you know, because I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. No, I I mean, I I love that story. You know what I'm saying? But you can totally, totally punch that up and make it. I tried to tell that story. I've tried to tell that story, but people are so, people are so just like, 
they can't even get their mind around the entire situation to begin with. And then, yeah, they're like, you're like, really, did that really happen to you? You're joking, right? You know, like it's, it's, they can't even get their mind around it. They can't relate to it in any way. Um, and so it's hard for them to find it funny because people laugh the hardest at stuff that they can relate to and they can't, yeah. they can relate to it. So it's just the whole time I'm telling these jokes, they're not even thinking about what's funny. They're just still trying to like, Oh my God, I can't believe Yeah, They're trying to wrap their mind around that. Uh, no, there has to be a way. There has to be a way. There has to be a way. I am just, there has to be. I'm actually just really satisfied that I was able to write the material. Deliver the Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I did my job. You know, I was like, I got food that has to be delivered. I have to get it to you. That's my fucking job. I could have just thrown it in the trash and went on with my life, but I didn't. Oh, man, now I want fucking Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> like bad. And I, and I got mad at my husband for wanting Whataburger yesterday. I'm like, don't do it. We're gonna die. It's a the other the other day I went to a carneseria. That's like a Mexican meat market. It's just like a little, I guess, like a corner store without the gas station. It's like a convenience store. They sell like all of it. It's like a little tiny little grocery we store. We have a lot of those in the neighborhood. Yeah, and and so like this lady was making tortillas like in the in like like behind like the meat marketplace. Yeah. And she's just like, Ugh. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, no mask, no gloves, anything. I'm just like, are you serious? I don't know why I'm talking about that. Okay, but go on. <laughs> now, that's amazing to me. But, um, <laughs> so I haven't really been able to write and perform comedy about it because um, it's, it's still too close. It's And it's always going to be. Mm -hmm. um, the only way that I could ever really get over it is... Um, if it ended and she truly, like they've broken up a couple times. They were, I thought broken up for a year and me and her did repair a relationship and she was coming to my house again and we were, you know, she, you know, having a mother daughter relationship, but then I found out they were back together. Um, and they've done that. That's so weird. So what, there's like a 20 year age difference between at least 25. I'm trying to think how old he is. He just turned 47. And she's 23. So yeah, 24 years. Um, uh, sorry. He, he's not emotion. He's emotionally immature. So. But I don't, I don't know. Mama. I don't. Yeah. There's nothing anyone can say. Oh, you did. What does she do for a living? Like, what is her job? I don't know. She works in like fast food. Last I knew. Oh, just wait. Some guys can freaking come woo her. Her husband's not going to be able to get it up. You know what I mean? Because he's already getting to that age. You know what I mean? Or like, um, mm. He works at Tesla, so he makes really good money. He's always made really good money. Maybe, maybe they might last a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> not long enough. Not long enough. Okay. So she is In 10 years, she'll be 33 unless she's, is she like ugly or is she? No, yeah, she's not ugly. She's cute. There you go. So, you know, in 10 years, if she keeps herself up or whatever, some guy's going to come steal her. He's always like old men. Um, but here's my theory of what's going to happen just because I know him and I know her. Um, he's going to knock her up. You, you can never tell her like, ew. Oh, yeah. I, I've i told her all sorts of stuff. So have a lot of people. But she does. How, how old are you? How old are you? I'm 42. Okay. For, and he's, he's 47. 
47. Yes. Okay, so there's still a, a, a yeah. age difference, or even with you, you guys. Yeah. So I, what's going to happen is he's going to get, he's going to, he's going to, they're going to have a child. Um, and then inevitably he's going to lose his job because he always yeah. loses his job. And he will not be able to help her financially support that child. And he is not someone that helps with children very well anyway. He's a shitty dad to the kids he does have. And so she's going to have to work, support the family, take care of the kid, do everything. And that that would be enough probably for her to walk away. If, if he loses his job, she's gone. He's lost his job. They've been poor together. They didn't have a kid to take care of. Ew. You know? So I think... How are you poor with a 40-year-old with man? He's supposed he's to take care Because he's a child. And and to be a child is because he is a child. That's so gross. It is gross. like for me to sleep with a forty-seven-year-old man. That would be okay because I'm forty-five. I don't know. Sleep with a but man. but for a twenty-three-year-old to be You're doing 45. it, you look amazing. I'm forty-five. You look amazing. I get Botox, girl. I get fucking Botox, and like I'm ready to go back. And I message the doctor. I'm like, I need you. I am this. These wrinkles here are from when I. I oh I, no! Don't do that. I have expressive eyebrows. I can't. I do it in my sleep. I wake up scowling. And I know. I do too. Like, and that's why I specifically went and I get my. I get shots right here. When because I because I'm always like, and you can already get, see like they're already starting to. I need like, to get trophy. I guess I just need to. I just need to get a husband to pay for it. But. Um, <laughs> I'm usually the I'm, I'm usually the one that has the money in my relationships for the most part. Mm. Usually, not now. I don't I cannot believe. I cannot believe that you were this, dating that guy. This is what I really am going to have to do something about because Oh, me too. Me even too. if I, I have I have a freaking double chin. I didn't even know I had a double chin the other day or something. Yeah, your skin it's like it's like a salient. Uh-huh. Because your skin has lost elasticity. Yeah. And that is and something that ever since I was younger, I always gained, lost, gained, lost. My body's like, I'm done. I'm just staying here. Whatever you do with my skin, I'm yeah. here. I need I'm not I'm not popping back in. I'm not stretching. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm totally not opposed to having some minor plastic surgery type things done to my face. Or mm -hmm. so I'm totally I think if I do it's gonna be this right here. When I was 17, I remember being like, I'm not going to use all those creams and I'm just going to age naturally and whatever happens. I'm age gracefully. Bullshit. No, I don't care about that. I don't care. And I really didn't care until I started comedy. And then people take pictures of you you're not prepared for from this angle. Yeah, you're like, ah. You're not supposed to get that side of my chin, bitch. But you're, you're on the stage. They're going to be beneath you. It's just going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, so when I started comedy is when I became real obsessed with my neck. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. And then one of my comedian friends is like, you can tell your age because you have, like, a line right here on your neck. Yes, like, this skin what, here. What? I had no fucking idea that wasn't even that was even a thing. This skin here, I'm obsessed with, like, all these lines. I got to... I gotta do something. And like, even like my cleavage now, like when I like push my breasts together, you know, like I get like a fat cleat, like a fat like line right here. I it's don't like, there's a fat line, it's not even a booby line, it's just like a 
fat, you know, loopy like, skin fucking line. Yeah, like, it was all up my neck. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, it was just like the wrinkly skin right here. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no. no. What the fuck? You know, I don't want that there. Not that. You know, it's just my, why are we even talking about our horrible bodies? No, I, I love them. We're talking about how amazing we don't look our age, yet we're still obsessed with looking. I know. I'd like to keep it that way. People are like, you mm -hmm. look great. Why would you do that? I'm like, I want to keep it that way. I want to continue to look dirty as long as I can. I know. I, the Abbey 11s, I, I fear those, like these little things. Right especially in this industry, the, especially mm -hmm. since I started it, I didn't start comedy till 38, you know? And so I need to look younger. I want people to think I'm younger. Yeah. And yeah. So I started, I probably started mine around the same time, probably about 39, 40, because I'm, yeah. I'm 45 now. I'm just yeah. five years. So yeah. 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 I got way late in the game. So I'm banking on the fact that I don't look my age. And so I have to keep it that way. And that's why I kind of gear towards more older audiences. Because not only do I look like them, but I can talk about the things that they know about. Yeah. Mortgages, HOAs, and older kids who leave us for her ex. <laughs> yeah. See, oh my god. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. That I cannot yeah that see I can't even stop thinking about it. I think when I when I do a show and it's a the crowd is is a younger crowd, I just do my dirty dating jokes. Um you know because I'm We're still out, out there. Or what I'll do when I go up there with the younger crowd, like the millennials and stuff, because my son is millennial, he's 26. So I kind of mentioned like, I have a kid your age, you know what I mean? And so they're kind of looking at me at how they imagine their mom sees things. Yeah, no. You know I mean? So that's why I feel like I'm right in the middle where I can kind of deal with like the millennials. I can, I can do stuff, but they're looking at like their, their mom's point of view. And I, I can also deal with like, of course, people like my age, I deal I'm with like things. A, that I'm like a cool older aunt more than yeah. to the younger comedians. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I do get motherly about some of the comedians. Mel, yeah. you know. There's like I have some people call, some of the kids call me mom. Mom, she's a mother. She's a mother of comedy and sense. I'm like, I, I have, I'm a cool big sister. Um, yeah, I have a kid. There's a kid who's like, I think he's like 23 named Ty who told me the other day, cause he will, he'll throw jokes at me and see what I think of him and stuff. And he, he like actually cares about my advice. And he's like, you're my comedy mom. And I was like, Oh, can I be like your comedy aunt? I don't want to be your comedy milf. I don't want to be a mom. Yeah. I got enough kids, you little shit. I want to be your comedy milf. Do the kids in your scene, is, is cocaine a big thing in your scene? Um, I don't know. The I really don't well, know. Kids uh, cocaine, as far as what I see, no. They talk, I don't see them doing it, but they talk about it on stage a lot. And they talk about it just like marijuana, like it's the same thing. And I'm just like, it's, yeah. I just want to like shake them and be like, it's bad, kids. You know, like I want to go mom. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I know there are a few that do it, but like just very regularly. It's not like something that, not as much as they do like me. Like we could be like an everyday thing. Like even though it's not legal yeah. here in Texas, like they'll still smoke it outside and 
you yeah. know, nobody really says anything. Even the cops might even smell it. Like, eh, they started talking them. about cocaine once weed became legal. Ah, because weed isn't cool anymore because no. it's illegal. It's just like smoking cigarettes. Yeah, guys, so the other day I was at my friend's house smoking a cigarette. We were all smoking cigarettes and we were like, whoa, this is a cool cigarette, yeah. dude. Yeah. So, yeah, so now they um, got that we're gonna come up with something more interesting and more like, ooh, I'm a badass. And then we do yeah. cocaine. Talk about cocaine. So yeah, with the with the art of comedy though, I wanna I wanna I do wanna eventually go into prisons. I think that it can help women um at least keep their sanity while they're in there or maybe help we give them hope for something when they get out you know yeah but yeah just the confidence that comedy is comedy like helped your i don't know what your self-esteem was like before comedy but you did have like events that might have like you know like your divorce that kind of can yeah. well i mean my self-esteem has always been like, yeah, sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm bad, sometimes I think like, oh, I'm the fucking shit, and then other times I'm like, oh, nobody loves me, yeah. you know? So, um, I don't know, as far as comedy, like, helping my self-esteem, I, I mean, at the beginning when I first started doing comedy, my comedy self, my, you know, as far as that self-esteem was kind of like, you know, it was yeah. horrible, you know? But... Um, I don't know, once I just kept getting, doing mics and, you know, meeting people and, you know, getting feedback and so I, I feel better now as far as I can actually go up on a, on a stage, um, maybe, you know, just kind of figure out my set maybe 30 minutes, you know, before time and feel pretty confident and be like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing and, you know, Whereas before, I would just do like an open mic, you know, and I would have like three or four minutes. I was sweaty. I didn't know what to do because my self-esteem was like, now I get up on stage. I own the mic. I feel like I own the crowd. You know, excuse me, I'm burping. I know. So, yeah. For me, that is, that that was the same thing, but it is, uh, it, it, it's, it doesn't just happen on stage now. Like the confidence that I've gotten as a comedian just really has infected my entire life um mm -hmm. to where i i don't um that's why i don't date people very long anymore is because the minute that they don't treat me the way i feel i deserve to be treated i leave um yeah obviously not how i was before comedy um because i was with that horrible person for like six years um so be me um but comedy found me at like a low point, like the lowest mm -hmm. point of my life. So there was a lot to build from there. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the kind of people I want to work with, with the nonprofit are going to be most likely in those periods of their life where they have, you know, just gotten out of this horrible thing that has taken their um, confidence away from them, you know, and just finding their voice and who they are, as a person, I think comedy helps that a lot too. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like comedy and the stage, just being able to verbalize, you know, any situation that you're going through and stuff, that's, it's empowering. That's what that is. It's empowering, you know? You're taking control of whatever situation you feel is out of your hands and out of, out of control. Once you're on stage and that, that microphone is in your hands, you you are in complete 
control of yourself and that whole crowd. Yep. You know I mean, it's just so empowering. It's just like, listen to me, listen to what I have to say and laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> This is originally what the goal was, like with the not with the festival and the nonprofit was I was really about wanting to empower women. But then when I started working with the woman that's helping me, um, and the organization she has that's helping me get the nonprofit going, who helps nonprofits, for me to become a nonprofit, just saying I want to empower women isn't isn't enough. That's not enough of a mission statement. Um so she kind of helped me develop it and grow it into something better to where I'm not just going to work with women. I'm going to work with the queer community and troubled youth is like a third leg and that I'm going to get into later um, unless the opportunity presents itself sooner. The only reason troubled youth is third on the list is because I'm not a troubled youth anymore. I used to be, but I am a woman. I am queer. And so those, those are the, the communities that I relate to, that I see on a regular basis, that have a need to be empowered. Right. So. Absolutely. But if I could get kids, if I can get youth, if I can get young women and queers specifically, but any troubled youth um, on a better path from comedy and improv, um, mm. even if they don't become comedians and they, you know, I think that, you know, if I can get, catch them early, you know, Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be wonderful. That's great. You I really love you doing that. You know. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, I do want to eventually get <clears throat> like right now. I have there's a there's a class here that's taught by a comedian that I like that I want to send people to. I'm working with somebody up in North Colorado to get one up there. I need to find somewhere somebody in the Colorado Springs area to work with down there. But I mean, I envision this going national. I want to find, I want to, I want to recruit. Um, the first step would be to recruit and have a teacher in the area that can teach one or all of these groups of people, comedy and improv or one of the both. Or, so like, mm -hmm. like in the, like my grand, you know, big um, dream of what this nonprofit could be in 20 years is that there'll be, you know, satellite offices and stuff in all these other major cities, major comedy scenes where I'm, I'm helping the people there by teaching them and also helping the comedians support themselves by giving them money to teach them. So, which, which just empowers them too. So. Absolutely. That's I love that. Big picture That's goal. Awesome. I tried. Big picture goal. <laughs> I have big picture goals, but if I focus on them too much, I get overwhelmed. So, <clears throat> you know, got like Denver. That's my first. I don't even have like I got to like baby I just steps, baby steps. huh? Baby steps, baby yeah. steps. So I just filed for the nonprofit. We're not even officially a nonprofit yet, but we will be soon. And mm -hmm. then, um, and then I got to figure out how to get that first student. That's really like. How do I get the first student? Do, do, you know, I need to, I need to, I want to start doing interviews like this and contacting and talking to, um, you know, the people that run, you know, sexual assault centers and um, domestic violence centers and, and things like that and see how they, what they, how they think that it would be best to help their community 
um, you know, their clients and stuff. Right. I feel like they're, they know their clients and they probably would know at least one woman that they think would benefit from, from it um, as a course of therapy right. because they're doing all sorts of things. They're doing writing, they're doing painting, they're doing yoga. You know, they have all these different therapies that they're working with women. Yeah, why not add public speaking or comedy? Yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the lady Absolutely. that runs the one in Wichita thought it was, you know, uh, was really, really interested. And, in, you know, she did an interview. And mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, she actually came to the festival for a little bit of it. And, yeah, she's, like, definitely, this is the more avenues we have to help people, the better. So I would, you know, it. It's and I want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's what the festival is. The festival is a fundraiser. Hopefully. Hopefully it makes yeah. yeah, Yeah. At least breaks awesome. even. It, as long as it breaks even, it's going to get attention to the nonprofit. It's going to get start getting their name out there and stuff like that. It'd be great if it actually made some money. But as long as I don't lose money, because at the moment it's self-funded. Right. So, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Self-funded. Um, so. But I think that we covered everything. Yay! I might actually get awesome. an hour. <laughs> Talking to you was very helpful because I was very depressed today. So now I feel like showering at least. Yeah! <laughs> Take a shower. Wash those armpits. I know. I, I will shave my legs. <laughs> I you're awesome. Goals. <laughs> yeah, I quit shaving my armpits like last year. Oh, my my leg hairs are so long right now. My husband's like, they're so prickly. I'm like, just let them grow a little bit longer. They'll be super soft, I promise. <laughs> you know, I, I am envious. Some women have like their leg hair grows in. Like my friend Sarah doesn't shave her legs, but her leg hair is like flat and it's even and it, I'm jealous of her leg hair. My leg hair is like, patchy and it like sticks out it won't lay down and <laughs> and uh <laughs> and it annoys me so i do shave my legs occasionally and my arm i, I need to but during the quarantine i don't think i've shaved once when it what what happens in, is in the summertime when i start sweating a lot it starts annoying me so but if i'm shaving because my hair is annoying me that's fine. But if I'm shaving because I want a man to have sex with me, fuck that. Oh, my husband will still have sex with me. Yeah. Hair or not. <laughs> they, don't care. they don't care about this. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, girl, I, I had to go pee so bad. Yeah. I was just sitting here, like, squeezing, like, oh, my God, please do not pee in this lady's face. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, okay. I'll talk to you later, girl. Can't stop men from fucking. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, toodles. Bye. Bye. Let me see how do I do this. I don't know how to do it.